like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. This is an exciting, exciting day. We have actually upgraded. I know. Ridiculous. I've actually upgraded microphones, so I feel very, very good towards this show. It's a very exciting time for the show because we've had two pretty... Well, the second one was all right, but the first one was pretty garbage, to say the least. The, the, what did we call that? What was it? The blue microphone? The snowball. Snowball thing. That mic uh, kind of stunk, to be 100% honest with you. Now, we have bought an Audio-Technica mic. We have an actual soundboard, so I can control the sound as I'm going. I have actual headphones, so I can hear what it sounds like, too. Which is very nice. This I'm very excited to try all this new stuff out. We had to situate my positioning, I guess. A little different than what... I am used to, but I am very excited. It's a lot more sound-friendly, I guess. You pick up a lot more sound with this microphone as opposed to the last two that I had. But again, I am I'm very excited to do this show today. And without, a further, without further ado, I guess I should say, let's just get into the show. We got quite a bit of things to talk about. I posted an article on the Logan Blackman Show website. If you want to go check that out, it is the top five quarterbacks for the upcoming 2021 NFL Draft. The last college football game of the season just ended with Ohio State losing to Bama in the national title game. Are we terribly surprised with what... Here, hold on. I'm adjusting the springs in the microphone. For some reason, they're very off. But we should be fine now. I believe we're fine. We are good now. Uh, are we surprised that Bama won? No. Are we, te- are we really surprised, surprised Bama blew them out? Not really. I mean, there was part of me, like, deep down that was like, I think they could actually do this. They and meaning Ohio State. But all in all, I think everybody knew that that game was going to go to Alabama. When I remember back in the spring doing mock draft stuff, there was an announcement or um, numbers that came out that said something along the lines of, Alabama's returning, what was it, 75% of the people that are draft eligible? Like you saw Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. I don't know what Jalen Waddle is, but you got Alex Leatherwood came back. Najee Harris came back. Dylan Moses came back. He had a lot of really talented first-round players last year that decided to come back. And honestly, now you could, uh, comparing this to last year's LSU team, is a is going to be a fair comparison. Which team did I enjoy watching more? I kind of liked watching LSU a little bit more, but does that make them the better offense overall? Maybe not, but I enjoyed as far as like a viewership thing. I just loved watching LSU, the way they conducted themselves and everything. I just love Joe Burrow. I'm a, I'm a former quarterback. I know I didn't play a lot, but former quarterback nonetheless and a co- former college quarterback. I should specify that D1 college quarterback, NAIA D1, but still D1 nonetheless. There is a D2 in NAIA. So if I went out there to the streets and said I'm a former D1 quarterback, technically, I would not be lying. So I should probably do that. It'd probably, uh, a lot of people probably like that. I think it'd be pretty cool to say, oh, I know a D1 quarterback, NAIA D1, but D1 quarterback nonetheless. But I just loved watching Joe Burrow. I loved watching Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I love the fact that we didn't expect them to win a national championship by the time the season started. They were the first number one overall seed in the college football playoff rankings to 
win a college football playoff championship as 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 far as last year as far as uh what was it Sunday night they were the only team that the only number one seed that have won a natty from the one spot Alabama has since joined them I think a lot of people going into the season expected Alabama to win the national championship with all the people they brought back you had two first round receivers in Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell coming back Mac Jones played a little bit last year didn't do bad just didn't wow anybody but he put up some fantastic numbers this year we'll go over Alabama's offense as a whole in a little bit but the game itself it started off close it was a very close game to start it actually thought it looked similar to the Ohio State Clemson game Ohio State went three and out to start the game they lost Trey Sermon unfortunately I haven't heard any diagnosis of what his injury is hope it's nothing too serious and then Alabama scored and then Ohio State scored and then it went back and forth for a little bit and then what was it 17 or 14 to 21 instead of going for a touchdown because I think they assumed the game was going to be closer Ohio State decides to kick field goal from that point on the game was never close again Alabama absolutely slaughtered them and if Devontae Smith didn't get hurt if uh, Mac Jones didn't fumble they probably win I don't know they score more points than 52 let's just put it like that they couldn't stop Devontae Smith Devontae Smith at the end of the first half had 215 yards or maybe he had something similar to that maybe he had a little less than that maybe he got one ball in the second half and then I'm assuming he broke his hand I guess I'm not 100% sure when I say that if he broke his hand or not I know he came back onto the field wearing a cast on his two on his index finger and his pointer finger or is that those are the same thing his pointer finger and his middle finger with the cast kind of going all the way up his arm or I, I don't know if it's his hand I don't know if it's his finger it was kind of funny <laughs> to watch them take him into the tent because they were just grabbing his pointer finger kind of like pulling him into the tent it, it was kind of, I don't know it was just kind of funny to watch and yeah if he doesn't get hurt if Mac Jones doesn't fumble, which set up Ohio State's point, touch, or a field goal, I think, to get them to 17, they kill him. And Mac Jones, I I joke, I, my dad and I have joked about this for a while. Mac Jones is probably the worst slider I've ever seen in my entire freaking life. I don't know how he, <laughs> why he slide, how he can't slide. It's like impossible for him to slide normally. It looks like he almost hurts himself every time he slides I don't get how that's possible you would think you would learn to do that at some point playing football I know Hawaii a few years ago used to do sliding drills they had a huge tackling dummy that they would swing at the quarterback's heads so they didn't get down in time Mac Jones hurt almost hurt himself against Notre Dame sliding almost destroyed his knee and then hurt himself against Ohio State trying to slide he might be the worst slider I've ever seen. Josh Allen's not a graceful slider whatsoever. But Mac Jones is so unathletic that it makes it almost funny to watch him try and slide. That's not taking anything away from right there. I'm sure he's not unaware of that. He's aware that he's not the most athletic person in the world. Just look at his picture of him with the cigar in his mouth. The shirtless picture. I mean, you don't need to be the, the most shredded athlete ever to be a successful NFL quarterback. That's not what we're talking about here. But he is super unathletic and if we're talking about today's NFL where the direction the NFL is going that might hurt his draft stock a little bit I'll go into my pre-draft quarterback rankings in a little bit talk a little bit more about Mac Jones and his future in the NFL and reveal the order and where I have 
the top five quarterbacks for the upcoming 2021 NFL Draft. On Ohio State's side, uh, Master Teague played well for the first two drives, and then they couldn't really get anything going on the ground. Justin Fields led them in rushing, obviously led them in passing. Yeah, man, I thought this was going to be close for a little bit. It was 17-21, to 21 and then Alabama just killed them. They, went, they were trying to call timeouts. They were trying to get as many points as possible. You think Steve Sarkeesian is not going to just lay the hammer down on Ohio State during this game? You played in a very, a very tough emotional game against Clemson. Your quarterback got badly hurt. A lot of the emotion in that game, you're, it's going to be hard to try and keep up with an offense as good as Alabama's when you got Mac Jones throwing the ball. Jalen Waddell played. Didn't look necessarily healthy. The first pass he caught, it was a little shovel pass from Mac Jones, and he ran out of bounds and then just hobbled over the sideline. Apparently, he had full range of motion. The ankle was fully healed, but it didn't look like it. It was mostly, I guess it was mostly just he has to get used to it at this point. But, yeah, I what a what a weird game. What a weird, 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 weird game. Close for a tiny bit, and then it wasn't, essentially. <laughs> it was close, and then all of a sudden it's not. Najee Harris had himself a fantastic game. Devontae Smith obviously had himself a fantastic game. Best receiver ever, arguably. Jerry Judy, former Alabama wide receiver and top 15 pick last year's draft, tweeted out that he is the greatest wide receiver in college history. And it'd be you, it's hard-pressed not to say he is or isn't. It'd be harder to say he isn't the greatest than it's, it would be to say he is. He almost had 2,000 yards receiving this year. He had 23 receiving touchdowns. That's insane. It's the stuff that he does pre-catch, while he's catching it, and then after the catch. I've never seen a receiver do what he does with the football in his hands. Now, obviously, you have like burners like Jalen Waddell. There's stuff that he does that there's not a lot of people in college football that can do that. He's the most electrifying player in college football when he's healthy. And I really like this from Jalen Waddle, too. A little side note on Waddle. Uh, a player for Alabama got ejected. I can't remember what his name was. He was number nine, though. And, of course, the cameras just had to keep showing him. They couldn't take the cameras off him for a little bit. This is a, what, however old he, how much, how old do you think he was? Or is Jordan Battle? How old is Jordan Battle? It doesn't say his age on ESPN, but he's a sophomore, so we can assume he's like 19, 20, 21 years old, somewhere around there. He just got ejected from the national championship game. Do you think we could, like, take the cameras away from him for a tiny bit? Just a tiny bit. And I really like Jalen Waddle. He went over to him and talked to him for a little bit. And it, as Jalen Waddle coming back from an injury, fractured ankle, he's missed the past 11 weeks. You're gonna and Nick Saban before the game said that it was gonna be on Jalen Wilds' accord on how much game time he actually gets in the game. You're gonna try and tell a kid that we are pretty confident it's his last game in college. He's a top what 15, top 13, 12 pick, somewhere around there. And you're gonna say, you gotta decide how much you go. If it was on his accord, he'd probably played the entire game, but smartly sat out a couple plays because he didn't look healthy. I mean, they said he reached top speed in warm-ups, but I don't care what they said. He did not look healthy. But overall, just an over, just a dominating performance from Alabama in the second half. Close for a tiny bit, 
And then Alabama was just like, okay, this is too close. We let them hang around for a little bit. Let's freaking murder them now. And that's exactly what they did. So congratulations to Alabama on winning yet another natty. Nick Saban just passed uh, Bear Bryant. Geez, sorry. For most national championship wins by a head coach or something like that. And I saw this on Twitter. He's gotten to the point now in Dynasty mode where it's not even fun. So then you just go to like some small school and try to start from there. That's the point I'm at with Colorado in my NCAA 13 sim. Because it's gotten to the point where I'm just killing everybody with Colorado. And I'm partially trying to lose. So I can make it more interesting come the end of the year. So I can maybe not go to the national championship. Because I've reached, a, I think, nine natties at Colorado. Eight or nine natties. And it's gotten very boring. But the other jobs that I want are really high. I'm very picky. I'm like, oh, I'm leaving Colorado. I came from Colorado. I was a former quarterback here. Now I'm the head coach. Do I want to leave? I think I'd have to leave for something big. And nothing's really a, a vertical step, if I do say so myself, from Colorado. Everything at that point is either a downward step or a like horizontal. Like You're not getting any better there. I am looking for a horizontal to lower step because no one's beating Colorado. If we're being 100% honest here, my Colorado team is the best college football team of all time. So it gave me great pride to see Colorado in the rankings at random times throughout the season. It gave me great joy to watch Colorado be as good as what they were. Like, actually competing and being ranked, not absolutely, absolutely sucking like they did in the early 2010s with Hawkins as their head coach, with Cody Hawkins as their quarterback. Good lord, that team was trash. They were good for a little bit in like the mid-2010s with Steven Montez as their quarterback, who was the backup quarterback to Taylor Heineke on the Washington football team on Sunday's game, or Saturday's game against the Buccaneers. And then who was their other quarterback? They had another really good quarterback. They obviously had LaVisca Chenault Jr., who was one of the best wide receivers in college football when he was playing, most versatile wide receiver in college football. And you could see his difference on when on the team when he played versus when he didn't. Because Colorado was so much worse without him. But we're not talking about LaVisca Chenault. We're here to congratulate Alabama on winning what feels like a 100th national championship. And I know there's people out there, I hate Alabama. I hate Golden State. I hate the Patriots. I hate the Yankees. Why do they always have to win all the time? Well, If they've never done anything to you personally, why do you care if they keep winning? If you want them to stop winning, then get a team to stop them. No one can stop Bama, really. I mean, you could stop them one year, but you know in a couple years they'll be either in the natty winning it or around the natty. Get a team to stop. Like, people hate the Patriots. And I get why people hate the Patriots because, oh, they cheated, they did all this stuff. But if they never affected you on a personal level, like killed your team the entire time you've been alive like they have to me, I don't know why you really dislike them. I mean, other than the, the cheating stuff, obviously. But like the Warriors, they're so fun to watch and so fun to root for. Like, watching Steph Curry play is so fun. Klay Thompson's so fun to watch. Why do we hate the Warriors other than the fact that they win? That's always weirded me out. I've never really understood that. I don't I don't cheer for the Warriors, but I don't go, oh, I hope they win. Like, people ask me all the time, who are you cheering for in the playoffs? Or who are you cheering for in this? Who are you cheering for in the tournament since the A team didn't make it? nobody I don't really care I think it'd be funny to see certain teams win like I would have loved to see Washington win but did I care who won that game between Washington and Tampa on Saturday no but I would have liked to see him win knowing Taylor Heineke could beat Tom Brady 
we that was a sentence I never thought I would say, but it came close to happening. It doesn't bother me if other teams win. If my team's not playing, I don't really care. I'll watch it because it's always fun to watch. Like, who are you cheering for, Bama or Ohio State? I don't know. I'd like to see Ohio State win because I think it's cool that they beat Clemson and have 13 players out. And I'm cheering for just Justin Fields with his broken rims to see that'd be really cool if they could somehow beat Alabama. I wasn't like, oh, easily going for Ohio State. I hate Alabama. Really, we should be going, oh, screw Ohio State because they're in the same conference. It'd be like cheering for the Jets. I don't know, as a Bills fan or something like that. I mean, I know it's a little different because there are four teams in the same division. I mean, Ohio State's not technically in Iowa's division in the same conference. If you want to do the, see the Big Ten win, whatever, I don't really – I've never really gotten into that. I, If my team's not playing, I'll watch. I'm not going to cheer for anybody. I, I like – I love watching games like the LSU-Oklahoma game last year where it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is actually happening. Or the Ohio State-Clemson game last week. I don't know how this is happening, but I'm enjoying every single second of it. Loved watching Justin Fields in that game. Like, I, I don't really care. I didn't care if Clemson won. I didn't care if Ohio State won. But after Justin Fields got his ribs broken, I was like, this would be kind of cool to see them win. Because I went into the game thinking Clemson was going to beat them. Ohio State played six games. If they were really the 11th ranked team in the country, you'd think Clemson would handle them pretty easily, which they didn't. And it was just really fun to watch. Or, like, I don't know. I just never really gotten that, oh, we should cheer. You have to cheer for a team here. No, I don't. I'm cheering for a fun game. And whether it's a blowout or a close game, I don't really care. At least if I had fun watching it, I don't care. Like, last night, I had fun watching Devontae Smith torch Ohio State's defense. Sean Wade came out before the game earlier this week and said that you know who I want to cover. He didn't do a very good job covering him as he had like 200 yards receiving at halftime. They couldn't touch Devontae Smith. He ran, he was, there was one play towards the end of the half, and I think it was his third touchdown. Maybe it was his second. I can't remember. But he lined up, he was the closest receiver in a trips, trips to the trips to the left, jeez. He was the closest receiver to the offensive line. He didn't even need to make a special move. He ran a like, I don't know. A, an 80 degree angle towards the pylon didn't even really run that fast he was guarded by a freaking linebacker if you're going into a game plan you know why would we not if Sean Wade wants to cover him I don't care if Sean Wade's not a, in a slot corner or whatever he if he's your best corner which he is he's an all-american just put him on there I don't care if he's not a slot if Trey White for the Bills if he's playing Devontae Adams or something I want him to follow him everywhere I don't care if he's lined up in the slot. I don't want to risk having Taron Johnson guard him. No disrespect to Taron Johnson. I don't think Devontae Adams would have much problems there. Taron Johnson could surprise me, but you want your best guys against your best guys. And I've never understood why, I, again, I get the soul. He's not a slot corner thing. But you really think putting him in an unnatural position of playing the slot corner, you're still playing coverage, is worse than having Devontae Smith against a freaking linebacker? a non-athletic, not very fast linebacker at that, and you expect the safety to do something about it too? That don't really work. What it, what genius decided, you know what? Linebackers. That's how we stopped Devontae Smith. And Devontae Smith, even though he broke his hand or finger, I don't know what he broke. I haven't heard any reports on what he did. I just know he came out towards the end of the game with a cast on. I don't know what actually happened to him. It's something to do with his hand. He's still going to make a lot of money 
going number three in the draft. If he doesn't go to Miami, I would be shocked because if Miami, now this is all dependent on if the Texans trade Deshaun Watson to Miami because then Tua will go to Houston. Then I would expect Tua or um, Houston to draft Devontae Smith because the third pick is obviously going to be involved if the Dolphins trade for Deshaun Watson. So Devontae Smith will be reunited with Tua at some point. If it's in Miami or Houston, they're going to be playing together. One would suspect. Because you see what Devontae Smith did. 1,800-yard receiving. Him and Tua worked very well together at Alabama. As freshmen, won the natty against Georgia. Last year, led the team in receiving with two first-round wide receivers there in Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. And if you want to count Jalen Waddell in there too, even though he wasn't last year's, he'll be a first-rounder this year. And then obviously what he did this year with Mac Jones. Like, it's ridiculous. They're going to be partnered up again. And about Deshaun, this is going to be short. I know we've talked about Deshaun Watson in the past two shows. <laughs> but it's a it's a franchise quarterback that might get traded. A top five quarterback in the NFL might get traded. That's crazy to think about. So forgive me if I continue to talk about this at nauseum. The, the Texans today. I, this was so funny. I started laughing when I saw this. The Texans have now requested to interview Eric Bieniemy. Why didn't you just do that to start? I saw a report yesterday that said Eric Bieniemy doesn't interview well or something like that, reports he doesn't sell himself or something like that, and that reports that Mike Kafka, quarterback's coach for the Chiefs and former NFL quarterback played at Northwestern, does more with Patrick Mahomes than Eric Bieniemy does. Because Andy Reid obviously calls the plays, and if Mike Kafka spends more time and does more things with Patrick Mahomes, what the hell does Biennemi do then? <laughs> now, I think Biennemi should get a head coaching job somewhere, whether that be in Houston, Atlanta, LA, New York, whatever. He should get a head coaching chance. If he doesn't interview well, now, the Falcons, I guess, came out and uh, disputed that or something, or said he, he did it, he did a good interview with the Falcons or something like that. But it's kind of funny that now, after all this stuff went out, now we're going to interview Eric Bieniemy. It might be past the point of no return, and this is just like, we'll interview him if you say you stay, and then don't hire him. Because as we talked about, GM of the Texans worked with Bills office coordinator Brian Dable, who has been talked up more as a head coach candidate than Bieniemy this year. Now, obviously, I've heard Arthur Smith, the office coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, is most teams' number one option as a head coach. So we'll see how that goes. But I just thought it was funny that Houston just now is interviewing Eric Bieniemy. They interviewed, what, six people? One including Leslie Frazier, who hasn't been... I mean, he's a former head coach, defense coordinator of the Bills, but not a younger, offensive-minded head coach to help your young quarterback out. That would work wonders with... If he does... Now, if he doesn't do as much as with Patrick Mahomes as it, as it seems... Then go after Kafka, I guess. I don't know. Kafka was kind of linked with jobs last year. You saw a quarterback coach get hired a few years ago. Zach Taylor got hired by Cincinnati. He was a quarterback's coach for the Rams. Now, is his job in jeopardy? I don't think so. They haven't done a great job in helping him. Now, they did get a franchise quarterback and stuff. Now, they got to start building the O-line. And I think the culture-wise there, to quote, oh, crap, George Allen? Not George Allen. Who's the old Redskins? Uh, oh, crap. The culture is actually damn good. I can't remember what the quote... I can't remember who it is. He was the old GM of the Washington football team. What was his name? He got fired. His dad was the co- was a coach. Oh, no. 
I'm blank. Bruce Allen. I don't know. I'm completely blanking. But that's what's looking. Since he's looking like they're building something nice there, I don't think Zach Taylor's job's in jeopardy. And if it was, Joe Brady would get the job because obviously he's worked with Joe Burrow before at LSU and put up some insane numbers with the Tigers while winning the national championship. But again, congratulations to Bama. We didn't give a round of applause or anything, so we'll give them a round of applause. And with that being said, going back to Bama and LSU, let's look at the top five, or not the, my, because <laughs> I don't want to say these are the only ones you should ever look at. Get multiple opinions if you don't like mine, whatever. This is what I'm viewing it as for the top five quarterbacks for the 2020 draft. Now, when you see different boards and stuff and rankings, it's all based on person's preferences. You're gonna see, you're not gonna see the same list of quarterbacks for every single NFL team. They're all gonna have something different. Somebody might have Trevor Lawrence, but for some reason, someone might have like, I don't know, Jamie Newman as their number one quarterback. I don't know. You're not gonna see the same thing every time. Now, there's some consensus, like Trevor Lawrence being the number one guy or whatever, but two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever, they're going to be different most of the time. Switched around orders, whatever. But if you're looking at what I think the order is at this point in time, sitting here on January 12th, 2021 at 523 in the evening, this is what I've got. So number one, I don't think there's much debate around this. Is that much, according to me, I guess. Trevor Lawrence, number one overall. Number one quarterback in the draft. Number one best player in the draft. Whatever. I think if he played an entire season, if he didn't get COVID and missed 30 days or however long he was out, he wins the Heisman because you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that Trevor Lawrence is not the best player in college football. But since he was out, I have no, and I have no problem with Devontae Smith winning the Heisman anyways. I love his attitude. I love the way he plays. I've never seen... A receiver do some of the things he does. It's ridiculous. And I would have to agree with Jerry that he might be the greatest college receiver of all time. But Trevor Lawrence, if he's playing, it'd be hard for him not to get the Heisman. And Trevor Lawrence will go number one overall. I know people are going to go out there and say, some people, I, I'm not going to put this on people, like in the grand scheme of people out there, but there's some people that like to be a little, I don't know, trying to make a little noise like say Zach Wilson will go number one or Trevor or Justin Fields because he outplayed Trevor Lawrence when they played each other will go number one no Trevor Lawrence would have to murder somebody to not get the number one overall pick that's essentially what I would say it's like a 99.9 percent lock that he's going number one again there's a chance he doesn't but I would pretty much guarantee he's going number one overall he's got the size the arm strength the athletic ability, the toughness, the winning mentality that a lot of people look for. Like, he got knocked out against Ohio State, came back in, and then proceeded to lead the comeback that got them the win. And everything, so I post this on again on the Logan Blackman Show website. I put a game to watch at the bottom if you want to see them at their best. And I put that Clemson-Ohio State game. If you want to watch Alabama-Clemson 2019 in the first national championship he won, go ahead. But I think he worked harder in this game than he did against Alabama the Natty because they absolutely floored Alabama in that national championship game. That was the first time we saw Trevor Lawrence's name get talked up as the number one pick in the draft if he went out as a freshman. Now he's a junior, and the same thing stands. He is the best player in this draft. And against Ohio State last year, you saw Trevor Lawrence get hit, get knocked out, 
and then come back in, ran for a touchdown. What, what was it, a 50-yard rushing touchdown, 40-yard rushing touchdown? Maybe it wasn't as long as I'm remembering it, but this game was, I think, the best example of what Trevor Lawrence can do on all facets. This might, well, I don't remember the, was it New Orleans? Was it the the Sugar Bowl? Or was that the, no, the National Championship was in the Sugar Bowl. Where was the game last year, George? What was it? Was it the Peach Bowl? It was some game like that. I can't remember what game it was for Clemson, Ohio State last year, but that game, if you want to see all the things that make Trevor Lawrence great, watch that game. Not Clemson, LSU. Not LSU, Ohio State this year. Watch Clemson, Ohio State last year. He's he's one of those quote-unquote can't-miss prospects, and we already talked about how much I don't like that term, can't-miss, because again, everybody can miss in the draft. Everybody. Not everybody's perfect in the NFL draft. The scouting process isn't perfect either. So maybe Trevor Lawrence becomes worse than one of the quarterbacks that's drafted after him. And then we have the, why didn't Dak Prescott go before Jer- uh, Carson Wentz in the draft? Craziness. See, you'll get stuff like that. But I would pretty much guarantee Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall. Number two, Justin Fields. Last year, Justin Fields put up an insane year. Justin Fields had himself a fantastic year last year. 3,200 yards passing, 41 touchdowns, with only three interceptions this year. Similar numbers to that of Mac Jones this year. Mac Jones, I think, had 41 touchdowns and four picks, if I'm not mistaken. Higher completion percentage, but yeah, great numbers. He almost had 500 yards rushing, 10 rushing touchdowns to go along with the passing numbers he has. Justin Fields, not as big as Trevor Lawrence, but he's bigger than what I would assume most people think he is. He's six foot three, about 220, 230 pounds. Like he's a big dude. He's a physical runner. He's a physical football player. And I love him. The thing I love about Justin Fields the most, and the game I put down to watch was obviously going to be the 2021 bowl game against Clemson. Obviously. There was no other game that I was going to put down there. And I know this year he had not great games against Indiana, he threw three interceptions, and then against Northwestern, he didn't complete a high percent of his passes, he didn't look good, but I'm going to base that one down to having a thumb injury and having his thumb taped, and then Ohio State was like, okay, he's not healthy, let's run with Trey Sermon, and that's what got them the victory, Northwestern's defense this year was elite, Uh, there's there's no way to go around Northwestern's defense this year, Indiana played their hearts out against Ohio State, forced Justin, that was his worst game to date, in college made a couple bad throws in that game and Indiana almost made them pay for it they lost by only seven points and then against Northwest he played hurt on his his thumb on his throwing hand you see in the the game against Clemson the game against Alabama his hand was taped still but obviously it's been what three four weeks since that game so it doesn't hurt as bad one would assume his ribs on the other hand those still hurt and Justin Fields this was considered a quote-unquote down year for him and down years, this is like Aaron Rodgers' quote. Down years for me are career years for other people. And I know Justin Fields only played eight games this year, but 2,100 yards passing, 22 touchdowns, completed over 70% of his passes, though he had six interceptions this year, which is double of what he had last year. That's a, if you can extend that season, they played under half or just over half of the games they did last year. They played 14 games last year, he played eight this year. He was on pace to have better numbers this year than he was last year. Now, if we go to the halfway point, seven games, he had 21 touchdowns at that point. So he would have, what, 42 passing touchdowns, 
I don't know exactly what he was at passing yards wise, but yeah, his rush attempts, his pat, every it, his big numbers increased, Ple- completion percentage increased, yards per pass attempt increased, yards per rush attempt increased by almost by over a yard. It was by a yard point yard point two, one point two yards per carry increase. He had three point five yards a carry or something like that as a junior as a sophomore, and then four point seven yards a carry this past season. And then the thing that showed off the most at this Clemson game, this past game, and then you can even say the Northwestern game, even though he didn't have the best game of his college career, it's his toughness. That's what I love about him the most, his mentality and his toughness. The best ability is availability. Okay, That's one of the old adages in the NFL. It's why Jimmy G's job is in jeopardy, because he misses so much time playing. People like Brett Favre. We're like, I'm not getting hurt. I got the job because I got hurt. Because the guy in front of me got hurt. I'm not giving someone else the opportunity to do that. It's what Brett Favre always said. He had the longest streak of playing without missing a start. It was insane. Justin Fields, I don't know if there's a lot of players out there in college football that would take a hit to the ribs like that with someone's helmet and then proceed to go on and what? Throw five touchdowns after that? Four touchdowns after that? It's ridiculous. And that's why I think if you, if I'm the Jets, now we talked about this when I did the mock draft thing. If you can honestly tell me, watching Justin Fields, I know he didn't play great yesterday, but a lot of quarterbacks didn't play great against Ellis or against Alabama. But if you can honestly sit there and tell me what Sam Darnold does better than Justin Fields, I will sit and listen to you. Because after watching Justin Fields, and even you can go back to Sam Darnold in college, I don't care. There's nothing that Sam Darnold does that is better than Justin Fields. You can watch the throw that he had against Clemson right before halftime. That's one of the best throws you'll see at the college level. I know it's not an insanely far throw, but the accuracy he put on that to get it over the defender's hands and place it right in the tight end's hands was one of the best throws you will see at the college level. And again, it's not a long throw. It was like what a 17-yard pass, 20-yard pass or something like that. That's the throws that you need to make in the NFL. Obviously, the long throws are the most draw-dropping. Like, oh my god, he just threw it so far. But it's the throws that use your accuracy. That, Like Josh Allen's throw against the 49ers this year. Placed it just over Fred Warner's head. Or his hands. His outstretched hands. And placed it right in the path. I think it was Gabe Davis that caught the ball. Those throws are so much more impressive, at least to me, than a 60-yard bomb. Because if you're a quarterback at the FBS level, or even FCS level, I would expect you to be able to throw 60 yards. I can throw 55, 50, 55 yards, and I've sat out of football for the past two and a half years. I would expect you, if you're consistently playing, to throw 60 yards. That's overall not extremely impressive. But if you can hit the short throws with accuracy, the back shoulder throws, there's throws that go over the middle of the field over linebackers and safeties' heads, if you can fit it in between two defenders. That's the impressive throws, and that's the throws that Justin Fields makes. Does he have the odd bad throw? Yeah, against Clemson, he threw to triple coverage. Not the, not necessarily the smartest decision there. Had a pretty bad throw against Ohio State that should have got picked off by Patrick Sertan. Didn't, but he shouldn't have made the throw anyways. Like, Justin Fields, if Sam Darnold, I know I said this in the drafting, if Sam Darnold broke his ribs, would he have played the rest of the game? I don't think he would have. After watching Sam Darnold in the NFL for three years, I don't really think he would have continued playing. 
I love Justin Fields' mentality. I love his toughness. The will to win is key with Justin Fields. And the athletic ability, the accuracy, the ability to fit the balls in the tightest windows, that's the key with Justin Fields. And I know people dropped him on draft board because of the season Zach Wilson had. But Zach Wilson's season this year is very similar to that of Justin Fields last year. I know a lot of you might say Zach Wilson's was better, but Zach Wilson played a lot worse competition than Justin Fields did last year. And they had very similar seasons. So that's just what I would like to say about that in regards to Justin Fields' Zach Wilson debate. Justin Fields should go number two in this draft, and yeah, whoever the Jets head coach is, we'll talk about the Jets head coach situation in a little bit because Doug Peterson got fired from Philadelphia. Not very surprising. We talked about that on the head coaching firings and uh, places that coaches could go earlier this week. So I'm not terrible. We've talked about him getting fired for a few months now. So I'm not really reti- I'm not really surprised that he got fired. So I'm more surprised that it happened now and not on Black Monday. It happened now, and he was apparently tired of being told what to do. You're a coach. You're gonna. You're still got people above you in the organization. You're gonna get told what to do. I'm sorry, that's just how it works. I hate getting told what to do. I don't know. I'm not working anymore. I don't know. It's just kind of funny. But yes. Justin Fields should go number two overall in this draft. I I don't care. Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in this draft class. And for Sam's sake, I hope he goes somewhere else because I think he's still, he's got some stuff in there. I don't know if it's on, it's not on the Jets. Other than the physical gifts that he has, I don't know what necessarily he does better than Justin Fields. And even the physical stuff, I don't even think he's better than Justin Fields at. So, I would trade Sam and I'd draft Justin Fields and not really think twice about it. Number three, Zach Wilson. Already talked about him with the Justin Fields thing. Athletic ability through the roof. Arm strength through the roof for being a... He looks smaller. Like, people might not think Justin Fields is that big. Zach Wilson looks like he's 5'10", 170. He's listed, at, I should stress listed, that doesn't mean he's that tall, but he's listed at 6'3", 210, which is four pounds less than Mac Jones, apparently, at the same height. There is no way those two are similar in size. I refuse to believe that. Mac Jones looks so much bigger than uh, Zach Wilson, and I think it's kind of funny just to look at but Zach Wilson's a crazy athlete, crazy accurate, really strong arm, and he can make all the throws over the, all over the field. The problem is, there's a couple issues with Zach Wilson here, as you don't get with the likes of Trevor Lawrence and even Justin Fields. Zach Wilson plays for BYU, and that's not really the bad part. And I'm not going to blame BYU for doing this, because they really didn't have a say in the matter, is that their strength of schedule sucked. Combined records between the teams wasn't very good. Okay, let's just put it like that. They played a lot of very bad teams. And if it wasn't for Coastal Carolina who had 11 wins... Their strength of schedule will drop down a lot. And they scheduled that game, what, the week of the game? They didn't even know they were playing each other until, what, Monday before the game or something like that? But their, that game was fun to watch. BYU came from a couple inches from winning that game. But BYU was fell into the victim, or fell into the situation that, like, Notre Dame fell in, that UConn fell in, Army, independent schools don't have a conference obviously they're independent so when conferences start saying we're not allowing our teams to play non-conference games some conferences did like the big 12 still let their teams play non-conference games 
the ACC, I think, still let teams play their non-conference games. Pac-12, Big Ten obviously did not because they barely played seasons. So BYU was just like, well, who, whoever will play us, let's get a game schedule because we want to play. And they played, what was it, 10, 11 games, 12 games? 11, 12 games this season? Really impressive stuff for get a schedule that like that. I know it's not against the best teams, but they had to play, and they played who was in front of them and played very well. And Zach Wilson showed out. He was top of the nation, or near the top of the nation in a few categories. Passing yards, completion percentage, touchdowns, interceptions, passer rating, like all this stuff. All the good stats, he was in the top of, or near the top. And the athletic ability is great as well. The Another knock on him, other than playing nobodies, pretty much, was the unnamed scout that came out a few weeks ago and said that he's a bad person or something like that, or that he has character issues. That was our, our character concerns. And here's the quote. Uh, Wilson has character concerns. Rich kid who is an entitled brat. Uncle owns JetBlue. Parents are a pain, not a leader, selfish, and he's a know-it-all. And I think it's funny that the scout, who did not reveal his name, is questioning a 22-year-old kid on character. Wouldn't you think the most character-worthy thing to do is tell that to his face? Not necessarily go unnamed NFL scout for unnamed NFL team. Wouldn't the How are you allowed to bash somebody for their character flaws when you won't tell someone that they have these issues to their face and you're going to go, oh, I don't want to... I would like to say this anonymously, please. It kind of seems a little backwards, doesn't it? Now, he, there was a comparison to him, and I see the comparison, watching him play, to Johnny Manziel. I think Zach Wilson has a stronger arm than Johnny Manziel, but athlete-wise, they're similar athletes. Johnny might be a little better athlete than Zach Wilson. As far as thrower, I would say Wilson is a better thrower of the football than Johnny Manziel was. This also saw the same label get thrown on Josh Rosen. Two quarterbacks that have had Johnny washed out after Cleveland, and then Josh Rosen's played on four teams since getting drafted. And Josh Rosen had the greatest quote of all time saying there are nine mistakes taken in front of me and two of those mistakes were Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, two who are in the divisional round of the playoffs. Josh Allen's an MVP candidate. Uh, Saquon Barkley is one of the top running backs in the NFL. Who else was taken in that that group? Quentin Nelson's an all-pro guard. Roquan Smith, all-pro linebacker. Who else is in that conversation? for? Who's taken fifth? Bradley Chubb, really solid outside linebacker. Denzel Ward, one of the most underrated corners in the NFL. Who else? Who was taking ninth? Mike McGlinchey, pretty solid tackle. I would say there were not nine mistakes taken before you, Josh. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't really see it. But Josh Rosen and Johnny Manziel, attitude-wise, are similar to that of Zach Wilson, according to Unnamed Scout. And those two have not had a lot of success. It saw Josh Rosen drop in the draft to 10th before... The entire draft process, Josh Rosen was consistently said he was the second best quarterback in the draft. Or second, like, not him, but scouts and stuff were saying that he would go number two out of the quarterbacks. It was between Josh and Sam for most of it, and then Rosen was two, and then Josh would, like, drop to three or four, depending on who you asked, and Sam would be one or whatever. And then goes 10th. Do the attitude issues or concerns play into that? Both Johnny Manziel and... Josh Rosen came for money, whatever that's supposed to mean. I mean, I know what it means, but is that supposed to be a knock? I don't. I mean, I mean, they didn't really choose how they grew up, but if that affects their character, I'm sorry. But 
yeah, if that's an issue, Zach Wilson might drop a little bit, which might see him drop to even four. But I'm not, as far as like an athlete and a football player by himself, Zach Wilson is the third best quarterback in this draft. For a game to watch, watch BYU versus UCF, the bowl game that they just played. Uh, it's Wilson's best game. Total yards-wise, touchdown-wise, great game. Uh, he had great games during the season. I'd like to preface that. It's obviously he had a great year this year. Um, yeah, he had a season high in passing yards, joint high in touch, total touchdowns. He had five, three passing and two rushing. He and The other thing with rushing, he's very smart in when he runs. He doesn't take a lot of hits. See, even watching him, he's not the biggest guy watching him. Like, if you're talking about girth-wise or something, I don't know. He's smart with that. And I think um, if the attitude, character concerns aren't that big of an issue, he'll go... Well, he's gonna... I think he'll go easily top 10 regardless, but... Where? That will decide how far down he goes in the top 10 might be a little interesting. Number four, Trey Lance. Uh, to me, no one's draft stock got hurt more by COVID than Trey Lance, who went from the unquestioned number three quarterback to four, maybe fifth, sixth quarterback in the draft. Because North, first off, North Dakota State's an FCS school, for those of you who don't know. And they're a dominant team in the FCS, but an FCS team nonetheless. So that was already some people were like, oh, I'm confused. Don't get this. Why is he so high? And then you got the fact of the Missouri Valley and a lot of FCS schools canceled their seasons and moved to the spring, which I don't know how they're going to say, hey, college kids, play a full season in the spring and then turn right around two months later and then play a full season again in the fall. I don't know how it's going to work. I think that's stupid and I hate it, but that's another topic for another time. But some teams in the Missouri Valley, like Missouri State, uh, I think Southern Illinois played a game this year. And North Coast State, and maybe there's a couple team, other teams in there, but those are the three I know. At least two of them I know, because Missouri State played Oklahoma. It got killed. Southern Illinois, I feel like they played. I think they played Jackson State or Jacksonville State or something like that. I don't remember, but Missouri North Coast State played Central Arkansas. They won, but Trey Lance, that was his worst game in college. Was that one game, and that was his one game to go like, okay, this is I'm the second or third or fourth, third best quarterback in this draft class. And he completed 50% of his passes. He ran the ball very well. Averaged almost a first down running the ball. But he went 15-30, 149 yards, two touchdowns, and his first interception in college. He had not thrown an interception the entirety of his redshirt freshman season. That's ridiculous. His first year starting, he didn't turn the ball over one time. 28 touchdowns, no picks. Ran for over 100, or, uh, he ran for 1,100 rushing yards. Threw for over 2,700 yards passing. Completed over almost 67% of his passes. Like, dude was balling out. Won the Walter Payton Award for the best player in the FCS. Won the Jerry Rice Award for the best freshman. But if you win the best player, you're going to win the best freshman award. Lance is an interesting one because, obviously, the FCS thing. The one game. How can you rate him above someone like a Mac Jones or a Kyle Trask who had great years at the FBS level? For Alabama and Florida. Well, I think the key thing here, and again, this is what you're going to get with these quarterbacks where it's going to go on preference and player rankings go on player preferences and style players and stuff like that. Trey Lance is a thousand times the athlete that Mac Jones and Kyle Trask are. Jones can't move. Trask can move, but doesn't look great when he's doing it. It's just... The athletic ability of of these three quarterbacks, Jones, Lance, and Trask, is not even a question. Lance 
As far as rushing goes, easily has the most rushing yards out of the top five quarterbacks in this list, especially the top three, because you don't even need to assume number five has a thousand rushing yards in a season. Trey Lance was also responsible for 42% of North Coast State's points in 2019, which doesn't seem like a lot, but one player just being even close to 50% scoring on one team is ridiculous. When you're the fourth highest scoring team in the nation, or the top, what were they, third, fourth, third, fourth, whatever, and you're responsible for nearly half of that, that is, in, that is insane to think about. It's like third down conversions of football. If you're near 50%, that's really good. That is very, very good. The Bills lead the NFL in third down conversions with like 49% or something. That is really good. The fact that he's at 42% of his team's points, when you're a top team in the FCS, that shows how important he is to North Coast State's system. And I know... They have one of the best rushing attacks in college football, which can open up holes in the passing game, but he is responsible for a lot of that rushing attack. And I know they bring in fullbacks and run eye formation a lot in North Coast State, but Trey Lance makes that thing go. And I know they've been good. They've won eight of the last nine natties or nine of the last ten, whatever. They've done winning with Easton Stick, obviously with Carson Wentz before. Trey Lance is an insane athlete. He has a great arm. He's got the the prototypical size, which I don't think is gonna is a huge factor anymore. As you see, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray getting drafted number one overall, and then you got Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, who aren't very big guys either. They're still playing at a very high level. All right, well, one of them is still playing; <laughs> the other one is out of the playoffs. And Lance being six four, around two thirty, with an with a really good arm and a very athletic. For being as big as he is and how athletic he is, it's kind of crazy to look at. And the FCS thing, you might draft him and sit him behind an established starter. That's why I took him to San Francisco, because Jimmy G is there. And we're guaranteed to have Jimmy G get hurt at some point in the season. I think it's pretty much guaranteed that he's going to get hurt. Whether it's serious or not, he will miss some time next year. Trailians comes in, eventually takes the job, because... He can do more things, and if you look at the potential and look in the future, you could, if you just watch them now, Trey Lance can do more stuff with the football than Jimmy G can. That's not a bash on Jimmy G, he's just not as, he's not anywhere near as athletic as Trey Lance. So I would say Trey Lance is fourth, and then fifth, oh, game, game to watch. For Trey Lance, the game to watch, I put two down, because there was two that kind of showcased what he can do, and I was like, well, statistically in one, it would probably be better to watch because it was a near-perfect performance. He went 10 for 11, killed the team total in total offense. They played Butler. Butler's not necessarily the hardest opponent for North Dakota State, who is consistently the best team in the FCS. Butler is, just to put it shortly, are not. <laughs> okay, Trey Lance dominated, went 10 for 11, threw for, over, uh, threw for over 100 yards, obviously. Had over 300 yards of total offense. One incompletion, six total touchdowns. I think it was four passing, two rushing or something like that. It, ridiculous game. If you watch Trey Lance highlight films, that game is like 80% of it pretty much because it was just a perfect game, running the ball and throwing the ball. But since that's not a very high caliber of opponent, I put in James Madison because James Madison, this was the national championship game. You're a redshirt freshman playing in a natty. I know you play for North Dakota State, so you're going to be confident, but a redshirt freshman, nonetheless, winning a natty is damn impressive. And with James Madison, if you don't know this, it was like 
these two teams are going to meet. It was going to be it was destined to be James Madison versus North Coast State in the championship game. James Madison had what was it? I wrote it down. The best defense in the just total defense and the third rushing defense. So what did North Coast State do to counter their rushing defense? Pass it? No. They ran it at them. Trey Lance ran for over 160 yards in that game and had a rushing touchdown in the game as well. He had 30 rush attempts in that game. He went 7 for 10 passing like 70 yards. This is the number three rush defense in college football in the FCS level. And we're not going to pass it. We're going to beat you at what you're supposedly the best at stopping or one of the best in stopping, running the ball. And we're going to still kill you. So you, you want to watch Trey Lance be adjust, adjust in that game or just how see how he adjusted, adjusts in-game? Watch that one. But if you want to watch an overall great performance against a pretty bad opponent, watch him against Butler. That'd be the game to watch. And the number five, I put Mac Jones. This is tough. Very tough. I think Kyle Trask can do more with the football than Mac Jones can. As far as arm talent, I think Kyle Trask is far superior to Mac Jones in regards to that. He's bigger too. But again, that's starting to become obsolete at this point. Neither one of them can move. Jones is more accurate than Kyle Trask, which is a big thing there. And when they dueled in the SEC Championship game, Mac Jones came out the better player in the game. Set the record for passing yards. I think they both ended up doing that, but Jones holds the record. And Jones outplayed him. And then it doesn't help that Kyle Trask threw three interceptions in the first half against Oklahoma. This isn't against, like, some powerhouse defense like Clemson or Alabama. This is Oklahoma, who historically under Lincoln Riley have had terrible defenses. So that's not a very big mark to draft me, please. So I put Jones above him. And a lot of people are going to go, oh, is he carried by this Alabama offense? That's fair to say. You look at the Alabama's offense. Now I'm going to read out the awards that this team got him. Two first-round wide receivers this year, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. One of them winning the freaking Heisman Trophy in Devontae Smith. They have the Doak Walker Award winner for the best running back in college football, who just broke the record for rushing touchdowns in the season. And Najee Harris, he holds Alabama's all-time rushing touchdown mark, too. The Allen Trophy winner, left tackle Alex Leatherwood. The best offensive line in college football. And this at center, Landon Dickerson, who got to play the, vi- the victory formation in the last play of the game, got hurt in the SEC Championship game or around that. I think it was the SEC Championship game he got hurt. And then finally, the best offensive coordinator in the nation, Steve Sarkeesian, who's getting the head coaching job at Texas. And that's not me just saying these are the best. They won freaking awards because of how good they were. And obviously, Mac Jones won the Davey O'Brien Award, whatever, but... Is he carried by this great team, or is he a great quarterback? Because he doesn't do anything that spectacular, except be a very efficient and accurate quarterback. So it's one thing to go, oh, he's getting carried, but he could also be bad and still have all these weapons. It's one thing to be good with these weapons. It's another thing to be very bad with these weapons. He's had, He had a fantastic year. I'm not taking anything away from Mac Jones. He led the nation in passing yards, passer efficient, uh, fit, pa- uh, passer quarterback rating, jeez. He does a lot of stuff very good with the Foley's. The least athletic quarterback I've seen in a very, very long time. Uh, they brought in Bryce Young, who decommitted from USC, transferred to, or recommitted to, or committed to Alabama, recommitted, is that a thing? And he's compared to Kyler Murray. So when you have a quarterback that's compared to a Heisman Trophy winner and the eventual number one overall pick, you would expect the guy who, you know, didn't really do a lot 
didn't lose it, but didn't do anything that goes, wow, that's awesome. We're, expect, we're excited for this year. You expect Bryce Young to get it. And I kind of toyed with that idea throughout the entire offseason. I was like, Mac Jones, I don't think, is he a better quarterback than Bryce Young? I don't know. But to be, he didn't lose the job. This is a similar situation we saw with Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. Jake Fromm didn't lose the job, so Justin Fields ended up transferring. And then now we watch Justin Fields is going to be a top five pick, and Jake Fromm was a fifth-round draft pick and third backup on the Bills. So you can look at it like that, but Matt Jones didn't lose it, and they the coaches were rewarded with their loyalty to Matt Jones with a natty, with a historic offense, with all of that stuff. And Matt Jones, if you look at, like, if, you, if you're looking at draft profiles or whatever, whatever, read what Mac Jones does. He's accurate. He's not the most athletic. He's a winner. He's got a winning mentality. This is a similar scouting report to that of Tom Brady. And I'm not saying Mac Jones is Tom Brady. And I wrote this in the thing. But it's similar stuff coming out of college as Brady. And we know what Brady's done in the NFL. He's the freaking goat for crying out loud. I'm not saying Mac Jones will be that, but he similar stuff in college to Tom Brady. Not athletic. He probably less athletic than Tom Brady was coming out of Michigan, and that's saying something. But he has a winning mentality. He has a really good mindset, and he's very accurate. If the Patriots are if he's there at 15. I know I didn't put him there in my last mock draft. I wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots took him at 15. He's in the same mold as Tom Brady. He coached, got coached by Nick Saban, who's one of Bill Belichick's best friends, who worked under Bill at the Cleveland Browns. Like, I could see that. I think it might work out very well if the Patriots actually get some weapons because I know Tom Brady, everybody said that he was done after last year, and then we saw what Cam Newton did with them, and we're like, okay. Tom might not be that done yet. <laughs> and he's obviously ha- upgraded weapons significantly in Tampa Bay. But, yeah, Kyle Trask was close. I felt bad for not putting him in the top five. But if you look at the head-to-head in their last games, it's not really close. And the game to watch for this was Alabama-Florida. I was struggling with this because Mac Jones put up great numbers in a lot of games this year. But this was the Jones versus Trask game, the SEC Championship game. You have two people that are in the running for the Heisman Trophy. Jones obviously passed Trask, came third, Trask came fourth. Jones outplayed Trask in this game. You have a guy that is getting compared to you, you're going to want to come out on top, and that's what Jones ended up doing. The other thing that I thought was very interesting in this game, he threw five touchdowns, one interception in the game. Jones threw, what, was it four interceptions all season? Three or four? This was one of them. And the the series after Alabama, after he throws an interception, the very next play Bama has is a 31-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Smith. Like, it's the next play they ran was a touchdown. Interception, then boom, touchdown. He has that erase it mindset. It happened, nothing I can do about it, erase it. And they ended up throwing a touchdown, won a natty, won the SEC championship game, won all of that stuff. I just think that mentality is very good and could see him go earlier than like a Trey Lance who did, played one game and didn't play very well in that one game. Or a Zach Wilson who might have those character issues. Even though 
as far as athletes go, I'd rather have Lance and Wilson. But if you want a guy that might be a little looked down on, I'm looking down on him right now as ranking him fifth out of six quarterbacks that I think will go in the first round. Five or six. Jones will go in the first round. Trask, I don't know. They're both very immobile. And with the way the NFL is going right now, you got to be able to move a little bit, which is why I put Jones at five. And if you if you can't move, you got to be extremely accurate to football, which is what Jones is. So that's I put him at five, but that's this is all subject to change. This is one day after the national championship game. And I just think right now, this is what I would order it. And let's read through the order again. If you missed it, if you're just like fast-forwarded it randomly and you got to this point somehow, Trevor Lawrence at one, Justin Fields two, Zach Wilson three, Trey Lance four, and then Mac Jones five. So if you didn't want to read any of that, it's a lot of words. So if you didn't want to read it, I don't blame you. I don't even want to read over it again. And I typed the freaking thing. So that's what I think of the draft class. I like Trask, but I'd put Jones in above him. And I might move Jones above Lance. Because again, that game he played wasn't very good. But if you're talking about what the mold of the NFL is going towards, they're going more towards Trey Lance and leaving the likes of Mac Jones. But I could be wrong. Mac Jones, all these guys could have great NFL careers. I'm not saying, I don't want to say anything bad about them. I'm just saying what I do watching them, and this is what I've seen. Jones is accurate. Is he carried by a team? We'll have to see how he does in the next level. But I'm not going to write anybody off and say they're a bust or can't play before they take a single snap in the NFL. Out of the first round quarterbacks, I think they're a guaranteed five, might get six is what I'm feeling right now. Maybe Jones slips. I think he could go anywhere from that 15 to 32 range. And yeah, I think the top four are guaranteed to go the first four at this point, but Jones might slip above Lance. But the combine, I don't think the combine will help him. You're going to have to find a team that just really likes Mac Jones, which could be the Patriots. But if they're doing the combine, which they sounded unsure on doing a combine, then uh, yeah, that's probably, I don't it's going to be tough to get, if he has to run a 40, I'm kind of scared what his 40-yard dash time would be, which I'm kind of tired of how much emphasis people put on 40-yard dash times. That's kind of something that I've been weirded out about for years now, about why people care so much about how fast you can run in underwear. No one runs in a straight line in a football field that often, so yeah. And we are just over an hour long into the show. I want to talk NHL on Friday. I know the NHL is taking place tonight, Wednesday. I'm recording this on a Tuesday, but I'm saying this as the show goes out. It takes place Wednesday night. I'm going to do a full NHL preview or whatever come Friday. I didn't have a chance to get to one today, but on Wednesday, you'll have division rivals, Tampa Bay Lightning, taking on the Chicago Blackhawks, the Lightning reigning NHL Stanley Cup champs. Blackhawks obviously beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in the 2015 Stanley Cup final. I don't think the Blackhawks win. If I had to predict this right now, I'm saying 3-0 Tampa. I'm not confident in this Blackhawks season. But they could surprise. Patrick Kane still exists. So, yeah. Jonathan Taves is out. Don't really have a goalie. Colin Delia could turn out to be awesome. Malcolm Subban could turn out to be really good. But, man, I wish they had a backup plan to Corey Crawford and have fun in retirement, Corey. You deserve it. But, man, if they had a backup, like, say, let's uh, if I had to think of a backup or a guy that's 
was on the or could have been available for the Hawks this year. Rob, a guy like Robin Lanier or something like that, or Lerner, however you say, how the hell you say his name. I've been saying Lanier ever since he was in Buffalo. I don't know. If there's a guy like that on the Blackhawks, I think it'd be pretty set. But man, you don't get those kind of guys that often. So I'd, man, if they could have gotten a guy like that last year, man, that would have been crazy going into this season. Yeah, the three nothing is what my score prediction is. Tampa over Chicago. Uh, the Pittsburgh playing Penguins are playing the Flyers, actual division rivals. Canadians are playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, Canucks against the Oilers, and Blues against the Avalanche. I'm excited to see this stupid Central Division. I don't like the divisions at all, but that's whatever. The Central Division you got Columbus, Chicago, Nashville, who were all in the Central Division before, along with Dallas. Detroit comes back, which I'm very excited about, but you lost the Wild and the Blues. Two of the Blackhawks' biggest rivals, them and the Blues. Why can't we play the Red Wings and the Blues in the same season consistently? Like, we got rid of the Red Wings a few years ago. Why not bring them back? And the Red Wings are absolutely dog crap now. They're the only team probably worse than the Blackhawks in this division. I want to play the Blues, Red Wings, and Wild. Why did they, Why Canada have to make their stupid division? It sucks. I hate it. <laughs> I hate their division. That threw freaking Florida, Tampa, and Carolina in this division. I hate this division. Oh my god, how is that central? I hate, it's like Justin Herbert playing for the South in the uh, Senior Bowl. How the hell does that make any sense? <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. Uh, the East: uh, Washington, Br- Boston, Pittsburgh, Philly, New York Rangers and Islanders, Devils and Sabers. Uh, Sabers rocking the Royal Blue jerseys again. I'm excited to see those. They got Taylor Hall this offseason. Hopefully, for their sake, Jeff Skinner comes back to what he was two years ago. My dad's a big Sabres fan, so hopefully they can get stuff sorted out. And Buffalo arguably should have made the playoffs last year. But you know what? They just said, you know what? Season's done. We're going to the playoffs. And they played two less games than Montreal and had what? Like two less points or three less games and two less points or something like that? Crazy. The North, obviously, the All-Canada Division. Calgary, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and Edmonton. And then the West... We had the Vegas Golden Knights, Los Angeles Kings, the Wild, the Ducks, Coyotes, Blues, Sharks, and Avalanche. Blues and Wild should be in this freaking central. I don't care. If we're just going to throw out geography out of the window, why don't we just throw Tampa Bay and Florida in the division? Huh? Why don't we do like a south division? South, central, east, and north. Just something stupid like that. Screw the west division. South. (laughs) Throw like... I don't know, San Jose in the Canada division. I don't know. I just want the Wild and Blues back in the Central division. But before we close out today, I got just a little bit coaching things. We redid the list a little bit. Now, if Deshaun Watson stays, then if uh, Eric Bieniemy does end up getting the job at Houston, I think Deshaun Watson stays. But DeAndre or, um, Andre Johnson, arguably the greatest Texan of all time, and DeAndre Hopkins were saying stuff on Twitter today. DeAndre Hopkins talked about, uh, or not DeAndre, Andre Johnson said, stand your ground, Deshaun. The organization has disrespected you. So, yeah, it's going to it's gonna be crazy. It's going to be crazy, but, yeah. So, we're, here's what we got right now. This is what I did before the enemy news came out today that Houston's actually going to interview him. So, this is what I did. The central, the AFC North stays the same. I put Trask with Big Ben. I don't know if Big Ben's going to retire or not. We'll have to wait and see on that. AFC South, if Houston trades Deshaun, 
because I don't think Houston will hire Eric Bieniemy if they if Deshaun really wants out because they didn't interview him in the first place. So I put Brian Dable in Houston, worked with their GM before, and I asked my dad this the other day: Would you rather work, be partners with somebody that you worked with before or that you were friends with? And my dad said worked with, so I went with that, and that's why Dable's in Houston. And then Tua, the quarterback of Houston. Indianapolis, I put Frank Reich. He said he wants Phillip Rivers to come back. And then I gave him Sam Darnold. I think if the Jets... The Jets should move on from Sam. I think it's best for Sam and the Jets that they move on from each other. Sam would sit, obviously, and then take a break for a year and just learn from Phillip Rivers. One of the smartest guys to play in the NFL. Like, that would be so beneficial for Sam to just calm down Play with Phillip Rivers, and it re- resurrect your career, essentially. Urban Meyer in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, Mike Vrabel with Tennessee, with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. AC stays the same, but I threw Deshaun Watson in Miami, obviously with Brian Flores. And then New England, because of the comparisons that we were making with like the draft profiles and stuff, I threw Mac Jones in New England with Jarrett Stidham there. Uh, they like Jarrett Stidham. Just keep him as an insurance option, like Cincinnati with Ryan Finley. And Brandon Allen and stuff. Like, they're not the best backup options, but they're backup options nonetheless. If you get Mac Jones, see if that works out. I don't think they should go after quarterback first. They need to get some weapons. But if they like Mac Jones enough, go after him then. And then New York, Doug Peterson with Justin Fields. Doug Peterson has worked with Joe Douglas, the GM of the New York Jets. So it's pretty much, from what I've heard, locked in that he's going to be the new Jets head coach, is what it sounds like. Similar career path. As a coach that we've talked about quite a bit on this show, at least during the summer, Rich Kotite. Similar <laughs> similar trajectory, Eagles to the Jets. Perfect career trajectory. Uh, AFC West, exact same, but I threw Arthur Smith with the Chargers. If Dable goes to Houston, the next the option for the Chargers, Arthur Smith I think would be the best option there. Then NFC South, stayed the same through Robert Sala. In Detroit, he has Michigan's ties. He's from Michigan. I think he went to school at Western Michigan. So I think that would make a lot of sense for him to go to Detroit. Get a defensive head coach over there in Detroit. For Atlanta, gave them Eric Bieniemy. If they're, they've talked about hiring him, they've interviewed him, said the interview went well from what I've gathered. So I think Eric Bieniemy in Atlanta would be a really good match. For other coaches, I threw Mike Kafka in Philly. This was one when I saw Doug Peterson leave or got fired. This is one I told my dad about was Mike Kafka because he was getting interviewed for jobs last year and he was linked with the Eagle. He played for the Eagles. He's worked with Patrick Mahomes. And again, if the reports are true that he does more with Mahomes in the offense than the enemy does, it would make sense that Kafka would get a job in the NFL as a head coach. He's a smart guy, went to Northwestern, played for the Eagles, has connections there. I think he'll be the next coach of the Eagles. I, I'm more confident in saying that than I am any other coaching option here. And that means I think Jalen or uh, Carson Wentz will stay in Philly because I've heard there were the 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 feeling that he could stay has improved a lot more since Peterson's gone. And I threw Cam Newton in Washington with Taylor Heineke because I I don't know if Taylor Heineke is ready to be a full time starter, but if they want to go with yeah. Let's give Taylor Heineke a chance. He seems to have the team's backing, especially Chase Young. The way he played against Tampa. Be hard to not bring him back, at least give him a shot. And I think bringing in Cam Newton that has the relationship with Ron Rivera would be pretty fun to see them back together 
in Washington. So, yeah, there's all my spots. And we're going to go through all the coaches again. I think Brian Day will either go to Houston or the Chargers if I had to bet money on it. I think Doug Peterson will just go to the Jets. I think Urban Meyer will just go to the Jaguars if he takes a head coaching job again. Arthur Smith, I could see him go to the Chargers or the Jets. Maybe the Falcons. Offensive guy, go down to Atlanta, be their coach. I've seen him kind of linked with Detroit, but we'll see how that one goes. Robert Sala in Detroit had him in Atlanta the last time we did this. I could see him going to Houston as well. Uh, other coaches, Eric Bieniemy, Atlanta. Uh, the Chargers, Jets, and the Texans all seem viable, but the Texans interviewing him now might just be a save and grace thing if they want Deshaun. I think Deshaun, I don't know. If I'm Deshaun, I'm like, why didn't you just interview him in the first place? Why'd you wait for me to say something and get all mad that you just now interviewed him? I don't know if I'd move on from that, Deshaun. And Eric Bieniemy obviously played for the Chargers, so it'd make a lot of sense for him to go to the LA Chargers. And at the Jets, I've heard him linked there quite a bit. So we'll see if that one comes true as well. Mike Kafka with Philly, I think that's the only place he'd go because of the links with Philly. And if the stuff about him and Patty Mahomes is true, I think it'd be a very decent bit of business to get Mike Kafka there with the relationship he has already in Philly. Played for them, has experience coaching, played the position so he could help coach up Jalen Hurts and get Carson Wentz confidence back. And then you can do you can actually do what you draft Jalen Hurts for and do a Taysom Hill Carson Wentz, or Taysom Hill, Drew Brees thing. And Jalen Hurts, I think, is a better thrower than Taysom Hill, so it might be even more lethal than that of the one in New Orleans. Maybe. But yeah, that's what I've got right now. Uh, Deshaun, does he move? I'm still not really sure about that, if he's going to stay in the with the Texans or not. But again, I don't know. I would be ready to move. I don't think I'm taking I'm take I'm taking it to heart that they just interviewed him now. They're just trying to make me not mad. I'm still pissed off if I'm Deshaun and I'm trying to leave, but maybe not go to Miami. Maybe not. And this is good. I saw this on Instagram. People talk we made fun of this before about the people saying that he could go for two first round picks and a player. That's stupid. He's gonna need to go if you want to trade him or trade for him, you're gonna give up like four first round draft picks for Deshaun. This isn't like Jamal Adams went for a first-round draft pick. And you're going to get one more, give up one more for Deshaun Watson? You gave up one first-round pick for Laramie Tunsil. Why would... Well, you gave up one first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. Why would you trade... You gave a first-round pick for Jalen Ramsey. You don't give up one, two first-round picks for a top-five quarterback. You, get, you give that for a top-five in a position player. Quarterback's the most important position in the NFL. And if you don't have your guy... You're screwed, essentially. Once you get your quarterback, everything else kind of sorts itself out. At least you hope it does. You're not going to get Deshaun Watson for two first-round draft picks. That is stupid. Whoever started Bleach Report, stop making trade rumors because your trade stuff sucks. It has for years, and I'm tired of looking at it. Because Actually, I'm not, because I can make fun of it every single time I see it. But you're not going to get Deshaun for only two first-rounders. Don't be stupid. I think the Jets have a very good shot at landing Deshaun because... They've been talking about a big trade in New York right as the season ended. That was what they were linked with. I could see them moving for Deshaun. They had the cap space. They have the draft picks. I could see it. But if he wants to go to Miami, he has a no-trade clause, but I heard he's, they, the report was he would be willing to move, waive it to go to Miami. If he wants to go to Miami, go ahead. I don't like that he's linked with all these AFC East teams. He's learned him linked with the Patriots as well. The 49ers have linked with him as well. I don't know. 
It's going to be crazy as far as... We're going to keep talking about Deshaun because it's something fun to talk about because he's a quarterback, one of the best in the NFL, and he might get traded, which is kind of crazy to think about. But with that being said, that's all I've got for you today. Reminder, we're going to talk about the NHL more in depth on Friday. Do a full preview. I didn't have time to do one today or last night, so I'm doing it by the time the show gets out on Friday so we can actually talk about the upcoming season. Not very. I'm not really expecting a lot from the Blackhawks, but maybe... Maybe they surprise me. I don't know. I'm not again. I'm just ready for a fun season. If it's if they suck, whatever. I'm just I'm sad we don't get to watch them play the Blues, but at least they get to play the Red Wings. And the Red Wings are worse than them, hopefully. <laughs> uh but yeah, but that being said, I will see you all later. See you on Friday. Peace.